Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. But let's begin with um, COP26 beginning today. And I was just curious, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, our Prime Minister, Mr. Trudeau, I wonder what his intent is for Canada during the UN Climate Conference. I know we're going to get the, so- the sound bites. Some of them will be somewhat vague as far as trying to understand what he's saying is concerned. But uh, I'm also curious, was he always focused on climate? Did he always have a, a sense of uh, and interest in climate? We're going to speak with two former Liberal members of Parliament who are caucus colleagues of Justin Trudeau about that and more, including what's coming as far as energy is concerned. You're familiar with both of the former members of Parliament, Michelle Simpson, who was a Liberal MP from 2008 to 2011, parliamentary seatmate to the aforementioned Mr. Trudeau. How are you, Michelle? I'm fine, Roy. It's good to have you back. I'm delighted to be back, especially with my friend Dan. Mr. McTagg, Liberal MP, 1993 to 2011, founder, president, Canadians for Unaffordable Energy. (laughs) And I'm gushing. Thank you, Roy. Thank you, Michelle. Good to be here. Hi, Dan. You held uh, parliamentary secretary roles during the time Paul Martin was prime minister. Those were different uh, liberal prime ministers, huh? Uh, Mr. Martin and even Mr. Kretschmann, who you weren't uh, deeply in love with, if I remember correctly. No, but there was uh, that respect. Uh, they respected the backbench, and they respected yeah. you know opinion. So, um, unlike the current uh, what I call the best NDP government we've seen, the first one, this uh, uh, the Kretschmann and, and Martin had both distinguished themselves as far as prime ministers are concerned by allowing the backbench a lot more freedom to pass bills, and not small ones. Uh, I became the first MP, and it's not a salutary comment to. to Actually, amend the criminal code, making uh, engaging police in high high speed pursuits uh, uh, illegal and a criminal offense. Uh, you know, uh, saving lives of Canadians abroad. These were things that were done by the backbench. You don't see that anymore. It's all done by the front bench and choreographed by the insiders. Yeah, Michelle. I absolutely agree. Recently, I've been watching uh, today, even uh, former Prime Minister Mulroney and. Lately, because of his book, Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Kretchen, and there's no question that they were they offered a different type of leadership, and quite frankly, much better leadership for Canadians, in my opinion. Well, let's talk about this for just a moment, and let's talk about Mr. Kretchen, elected in 1993, which was when you were elected, uh, Dan. That was your first term as a member of Parliament. Uh, Mr. Kretchen, over the last number of days, he has a new book out. But he has also taken advantage of opportunity, or maybe I shouldn't say taken advantage of, he has chosen to be rather critical as the former prime minister, former liberal prime minister, of the current liberal prime minister. That speaks volumes. I spoke with Stephen Ledru about this yesterday, the former president of the Liberal Party of Canada. So, so Michelle, you, you sat with Mr. Trudeau. You sat beside him. You were his seatmate for a number of years in Parliament. What do you make of... Um, Jean Chrétien challenging, specifically challenging, the the governing style of the current prime minister. What do you what do you make of that? Well, uh, Mr. Chrétien is a very intelligent man, and I think he's seeing exactly what many of us are seeing. And earlier, you were you asked the question, 
do you think that our prime minister has always been concerned with climate change? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, based on what I know, absolutely not. Mr. Trudeau has always been about Mr. Trudeau. You've told us in the past that when you would sit at the bench in Parliament for question period, Mr. Trudeau would arrive, I don't want to misquote you, with a sheaf of papers, and he would show you these papers, and they were invariably and exclusively reprints of stories, not about climate, but about him. Yes? Absolutely. It, It actually, it could bring a smile to your face when we're going through serious issues in Parliament, and I thought... Really? This, this is what you're consumed with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I'm not saying anything I haven't said before, and there are no sour grapes. I've always said it was always, he was always sizzle and no steak. And people like Cretchen and Mulroney really had the steak. They really had the backbone, and they, they, they were leaders. Yeah, I sat with Brian Mulroney for an hour, a face-to-face, one-on-one interview, and one day I'll tell the story how we got that. But uh, there was no doubt this man was in charge. I mean, he said something during that interview that didn't serve him very well, became a national story. But that was his choosing, wasn't mine. I just asked the question. But there was a sense of this guy who's in charge. I don't know, Dan, whether Mr. Trudeau is truly in charge I can't understand his cabinet. I want to talk to you about uh, cabinet selections in a minute. But the reason that I'm asking about whether or not there is a consistent pattern, whether there is a consistent commitment to climate by this current prime minister, because he's making this his issue uh, for, well, for he's made it his issue for the last number of years, and we're assuming he's going to make it his issue for however long he remains in the corner office of the PMO. Uh, there's an importance to know whether there's a continuance here, whether he's had an interest in climate for a long period of time. What was your experience with him? Well, I'm with Michelle on this, and I've seen him speak. I've certainly uh, noted the many opportunities he's given himself to boast about his appearances, uh, many of those, by the way, paid from nonprofit organizations that often didn't have really a lot of money to do this but needed you know, a headliner to, to come and speak. But that aside, I've never really known the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, to take much of an issue on anything, and often contradictory. Uh, but there's no doubt that his, it's his handlers that are, uh, you know, have taken over the merging of the two organizations, the, uh, the climate folks out of uh, the McGuinty-Wynn, uh, Ontario uh, base, and uh, now, of course, the uh, Ecotair, uh, Greenpeace, uh, green fanatics uh, that is now represented as Minister of Environment. By the way, since when do we go through three ministers of environment in three terms? I mean, that's, uh, I'm not sure if he gets it, he, or if he wants to go hard or soft or medium or somewhere in between, but I, you know, I'm not sure he really understands the issue, nor has he really taken any sense of appreciation for the devastating impact this is having on Canadians. I know you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier, not just in terms of fuel prices, well, let's but do, food prices. Let's we talk, haven't seen anything yet. Let's talk about the cabinet selections that were made, including Mr. Gilbo as environment minister. What do you make of that cabinet? Are these people who are objectively going to provide the prime minister with significantly important advice on which to act, or are they, as Mr. Um, as our good friend Stephen LeDrew said yesterday, they're sycophants. 
What are they, Michelle? Oh, they're the shiny objects in the window that Mr. Trudeau's putting out to a certain degree. Um, I agreed with uh, some of them, but to Dan's point, uh, three environment ministers in uh, three mandates, we have five foreign affairs ministers, and it's as if he can't settle on. No one's brought him the glory that he needs to achieve what he wants to achieve which is all about himself, frankly. So and that, if I sound cynical, yeah. it's simply because I, I, I am following this, these mm. things, and knowing him, I, I'm not a best friend, but having observed him closely for two and a half years, I, I know exactly what, I, what he's thinking. Okay, so, so Dan, as we come out of COP26... What will you be expecting from the Canadian delegation, from the Prime Minister, from the new Environment Minister? What will you be expecting, and how will that reflect? Let's tie this all together. How will that reflect on energy supply and energy costs for Canadians? Well, by his cabinet, which is woefully uh, inadequate. Um, I mean, really the sea line when from our day when Michelle and I were there. I would expect that he's going to triple down on uh, more climate uh, uh, resolutions, bringing forth the climate uh, uh, e- uh, economy uh, mandate, uh, bring forth this what I call the weather station, but uh, you know, ensuring that companies uh, have a uh, significant climate ESG mandate, you know, piling on to the 55 trillion bucks that's been accumulated over there along the lines of what uh, the Mark Carneys of this world want. I suspect that he's going to continue to be absolutely deaf and tone deaf to the financial mess that we found ourselves in. I mean, it's, it's a desperate situation. I don't care what anyone wants to say. It's only a matter of time before all the uh, the good stuff on the business side uh, gets pushed aside and the bond raiders begin to look at Canada's, very, you know, Canada's uh, woeful economic situation. He's going to continue to destroy uh, and alienate the West and uh, at a time in which the world, including Biden, pitifully, pathetically, are going on bended knee to OPEC looking for more oil, he's going to say, well, Canada isn't the option. And uh, for that reason, uh, I suspect that we're going to see more of the same from a PM who really follows the wind on this stuff. And it's pretty self-congratulatory, self-reinforcing stuff. He spends billions of dollars every year on organizations uh, that go out and push the climate uh, catastrophe side at the beginning of what you introduced the show with. That uh, you know, sort of, we're all going to be extinct in the next twenty or thirty years as a result of this. This alarmism, this what I've referred to as climate bedwetting, uh, is really what his government's all about. And unfortunately for Canadians, they're ready to pay in ways you could not possibly even conceive of just a couple of weeks ago. But, okay, Michelle, what are your I, thoughts? Can I interject one second? Sure. To see if Dan agrees. Do you not think that this is all about pursuing a legacy that has eluded him, and at this juncture in his a political career he's desperate to achieve at any cost. I think it's a good point, Michelle, and I think he has to strike uh, something that he has achieved in his life as opposed to uh, running on his dad's coattails mm-hmm. um, and the name, the Trudeau name. That's it. Uh, so he's very much uh, uh, an ambition-driven person in which Canadians simply don't rate. And I think... If we want any example of how out of touch this man is, we only had to look what he did to Fino, 
which mm-hmm. I think has left a bitter taste in the mouth of everyone, even his own party. Yeah, this is a guy who will not raise the flag to be lowered on Remembrance Day. Sickening. Absolutely. But he did uh, not attend the Day of National Reconciliation because he had to go to Tofino. And it was his own day. Well, that somebody his actually government brought forward. A, fr- a friend of mine said that's his national holiday. Yep. And he made it a joke, a national joke. Very sad. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.